This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. Today is Mother's Day. If your mom is over here, uh, we just want to honor you uh, by giving you an opportunity today to win a Keurig. How about that? That's pretty cool. So in your um, worship guide today, uh, there's a pink slip. So if you're a mom and you're here, just fill that out. Put your name um, on there. Put your kids' names. And then uh, drop it into the offering. And we will uh, draw tomorrow morning a winner of a Keurig. And it comes with a month's supply of K-Cups, which is kind of awesome if you like Keurigs and that kind of thing. So I want to kind of get started by talking about a scene that I think many of you are familiar with. Um, if you're if you're a mom, especially a mom of a young kid, you know what this is like. I've, I've witnessed this happen in our homes, specifically with my wife, a bunch. This is how it goes down. You need a few moments alone, right? So you've got to find the place in the house where you can get that, where you can have a few moments all to yourself. There's only one place that that's going to happen. That's in the bathroom. All right? So you go hide in the bathroom because you know in the bathroom at least the kids might come beat on the door, but they're going to not get inside, right, because you lock the, the door handle. And here's what's going to happen. You don't hear anything. For three, four minutes, you lose count because... In silence, time just tends to fly by. You start to wonder, what's going on? So you come out. Where are the kids? And you go, and maybe you find them in the kitchen. Maybe you find them in the living room. Let's just say you find them in their bedroom. And all the toys are out. The bed is unmade all of a sudden. Clothes are hanging out of the chest of drawers. There's chocolate pudding on the ceiling. You don't even know how they got chocolate pudding, but it's on the ceiling. And you walk into that moment, and what was peaceful is now chaos. Let me just tell you as we get ready to start today, that if you're going to raise kids, chaos is a part of raising kids. It is. I mean, I think our kids are like little mini terrorists. I mean, they, they moved in with their own agenda. They don't care about what we want. They don't care about peace. Their common goal is to destroy peace. That's their common goal in our lives. See, my daughter has not, has not felt well for the last week. Her response to not feeling well is just at random moments to scream as loud as she can. Like, so out of nowhere, it's just a loud scream, and we're like, what's wrong? She's like, well, my tooth hurts. And I'm like, could you just say my tooth hurts, please? So much better, so much more effective than just screaming, right? And my son, he's only 18 months. He's, he's fairly verbal for an 18-month-old boy, but he really, if you were sitting back and watching it, and you weren't thinking that you were looking at a little kid, he's kind of like a drunk sailor. Right, walking all around the house, he can he kind of toddles around, falls down a lot. He yells out commands, "Mom, kitchen, cheese." (laughs) 
class is a part of raising kids. And here's what I want you to see about chaos today as we get started. Chaos will either drive you crazy or it will help you see that you need to be challenged. It will either drive us crazy or it will challenge us. We're starting today at Vortex a new series called What God Sees. I, I, we're, we're only going to be in this for this week and next week. And, and I think that out of the whole year, this may be the most important series that we do. Um, it was not planned. And we've been praying and asking God what's going on. And then all of a sudden, God started speaking to us. And so what we want to share is a little bit about what God's been saying. And it came out, I think, of this verse that I've been praying through. It's been so important to me. I read it at the beginning of the year. And now I, I have it set on my phone on a timer. Three times a day, this verse pops up. And I have to read it. And it's become something that has become a part of the way I'm thinking and praying and processing. It comes out of Exodus 33, just to set the stage for this moment. Uh, Moses has returned back to um, Egypt after he was exiled, after killing uh, an Egyptian slave master. He's returned back. He's brought the children of Israel to freedom out of Egypt. He has experienced some of the most miraculous moments in all of human history. And then God speaks to him, and this is how he responds. He says, you have told me, God, I know you by name, and I look favorably on you. So if that's true, that you look favorably on me, let me know your ways, so that I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. And remember that this nation is your very own people. I mean, Moses is saying, God, I've seen you do miraculous things. And as a matter of fact, he's seen enough that for most of our lives, it would be enough to fill our lives with wonder. And Moses comes back to God and says, God, I know you've given me favor, but I want to continue to live in that. So would you please let me see what you see? Please just let me see what you see. Teach me your ways. Because I want to continue to live this way. You see, I want to give you two reasons why we need to continue to go back to God. Say, God, would you, would you just teach me what you see? I, I want to see what you see. God, I, in, in life, I, would you please teach me your ways? Show me what you see. And the first reason that we need to do that is that we can't see or know everything. We can't see or know everything. But you know what happens? Sometimes in our hearts, we start to say, I've got it figured out. You know what? I, I might not know everything, but I know everything I need to know. I mean, I've, I've kind of got, you know, I know what I'm doing at work. I know what I'm doing at home. I've got it figure out. If you know everything that you need to know, can I tell you what you've become? Your own God. Look what the Bible says, Proverbs 3, 3 through 5. 
Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything that you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. Don't assume that you know it all. Run to God. Don't assume that you know it all. Trusting God really implies us being able to say, hey, I don't know. I can't see everything. And we need to go back to God and continue to say, God, help me see what you see. Not just because he sees everything, but this is the second reason. Because God sees what's best. Think about Moses in this moment. I mean, Moses has probably at this point had one of the most significant ministry careers in the entirety of the human experience. And so... How does he respond? He doesn't respond by saying, God, I've seen what you've done. You kind of know what you're doing. We're just going to keep doing it. He just goes back to God and says, God, I know that you've done this. The favor that's been here has been here because of you. So would you please teach me a lesson? Would you please let me see what you see? Because, God, I, I don't want to do this on my own. God, you see what's best. You see, it's quite easy to get to a point where we think that we figured it out and we can see what's best. You see, our best and God's best are often at war against each other. As a matter of fact, I think our best pales in comparison to what God's best for us is. See, sometimes we look at life and we define best in ways that are so different than what God has asked us to do. I'm reminded of the words of Isaiah in Isaiah 55, where he is recounting to us the words of God. God says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. My ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. You think about that. God's saying, I'm smarter than you. It's not insulting. It's hopeful. Because I don't know about you, but I hit moments when I don't know everything. And if I'm on God, I'm living by what I know, resting on my own knowledge and my experience. In those moments, I'm lost. But if I'm trusting in a God who sees and knows everything, he knows what's best. So let's go back to that moment when you walk in the room and chaos has started. Or it can either make us crazy or it can challenge us. Let's ask today, God, what do you see in the middle of a challenge? God, what do you see in a challenge? And I would tell you, just kind of says, as an opening thought to answer that question, is that challenges are God's way of revealing opportunity. Challenges are God's way of revealing opportunity. 
I mean, really, if we walk back through the narrative of the story of redemption, God's work in humanity to save us from sin, you're going to see that God never shows up in a peaceful moment. God always shows up in the midst of something that is a great, significant challenge. And we started the challenge. I mean, God made the world. It was perfect. He planted Adam and Eve, his first creation, into a garden where they had everything they needed, except they just couldn't go over there and eat from this one tree. Don't eat that fruit, right? And you all think, if that was the deal, I could probably keep up with it. God, if you said, just give me one rule, don't go to Big or don't go to McDonald's and don't eat a Big Mac, right? That's just the, my one rule for the rest of my life. I can do whatever I want to do. Just don't go to McDonald's. Don't eat a Big Mac. I could do that, right? You all think that, but you couldn't. Because if, if God gave you that rule today, tomorrow you'd wake up going, man, I really want a Big Mac. And you'd probably make it through Monday without a Big Mac, and you go to sleep at night thinking, man, that's awesome. I didn't eat a Big Mac today. But Monday, Tuesday morning, you wake up thinking, I need a Big Mac today. You might make it through Tuesday, but Wednesday, you'd be in, you'd be like, I'm going to go to McDonald's, and I'm going to get a McChicken sandwich today. I'm not going to get a Big Mac. I'm just going to go get a Mc. I'm going to look at the Big Macs. I'm going to order one. I'm going to get it out. I'm going to look at it. I'm not going to eat it. I'm going to throw it away. You get it. You go do that. You throw it away. And then, like Thursday, you'd order three Big Macs and eat them all. Right? Because God in his wisdom is showing us, hey, even one rule, you, you couldn't do that. And when sin entered the world, it broke everything. It destroyed the life that God designed for us. And I think if you're sitting back and you don't believe in Jesus and you're just hearing that story and you go, man, man the story's all over with then, isn't it? I mean, it, it, I mean, here's God was good. He designed a perfect world. We blew it up, right? But it's not. Years later, God would speak to a man named Abraham who was childless and old. He'd say, Abraham, out of you, many nations are going to come. See, think about the challenge that's in that moment. God picks Abraham, who is old and without children, to say, I'm going to birth a nation out of you. In great challenge lies great opportunity. And God would bring him to Canaan, give him a son, and establish him as one of the wealthiest men in the region. Fast forward years later, Moses, who is given great opportunity in the Pharaoh's castles and, and in his realm, right? He has great authority until he blows it. And murders an Egyptian slave master and runs for his life. And while the nation of Israel is enslaved, in what looks like a huge challenge, God sees great opportunity in a man named Moses who is in exile in the desert. And he speaks to him, calls him, sends him back, convinces Pharaoh because he beats him down, basically. Convinces Pharaoh to let them go. And Moses walks into the, the new promised land, right? Carrying the, the whole children of Israel behind him. In great challenge lies great opportunity. Fast forward years and years forward. Israel has now become a prominent nation in the region. And they've begged God for a king and God gives them a king, but the first king that is installed doesn't do it the way that God wants it to be done. And so as God looks over, at this great challenge of having a figurehead, a leader of this nation that is rebelling against his ways, God 
sends the prophet Samuel to a small town called Bethlehem to a house that is fathered by a man named Jesse. And he pulls a guy named David out of a pasture where he's only been a shepherd. And he takes him from shepherd to warrior to king. Because in the middle of opportunity, or in the middle of challenge, lies great opportunity. You see, David would establish a kingship like none other in the middle of Canaan. But years later, the kings would rebel against God. And so God would raise up voices in the midst of that great challenge. The voices of, of great prophets that we see in Scripture. Isaiah, Jeremiah. The men who would stand up and be the mouthpiece of God. Who would eventually be executed. And let's just talk about one of the greatest challenges that may have ever existed in the world. God looked down as the Greek Empire spread around the Mediterranean Sea as the Roman Empire spread throughout what was at that time in the Western world, the known world. Spreading a culture that propagated sexual immorality and polytheism. Right? Believing in many different gods. God looked down and said, it's a huge challenge, but it's a great opportunity. I'm going to send my son into that mess. In the middle of great challenges lies great opportunity. And today what I'd like to do is to help you to see what God sees in the challenges that you're facing today. Three steps to see what God sees in the challenges. The first thing we need to do to see what God sees in the midst of our challenges is, number one, we need to trust Jesus completely. Y'all listen, I didn't say trust Jesus with the departure from earth, whether you're going to go to heaven or hell, right? I didn't say trust Jesus with, with whether your church is going to do well. I didn't say just trust Jesus that your kids are going to have a good day at school. I said trust Him completely. Trust Him with your kids, with your home, with your job, with your spouse. Trust Him with your bank account. Trust Him with your career. Trust God completely. Proverbs 3, which we read just a little while ago, that says, don't, don't think that you've got it all figured out, goes on to say in verses 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all that you do and He will show you which path to take. The dependence and trust that that verse talks about is complete trust. It's us saying to God, God, whatever it is, I trust you. God, whatever it means, I trust you. Wherever you want to go, God, I will follow. I trust you. And if we're going to see what God sees in the midst of great challenges, we have to learn to trust him. The second thing that we need to do is we need to embrace the difficulty of the challenge. All right? It's called a challenge for a reason. It's not going to be easy. It's going to take work. It's probably not going to feel good. 
it's going to hurt a little bit. But we need to embrace the difficulty of the challenge. Y'all listen to me. I just want to help you a little bit. Far too many of you hit patches in life where things, they pop up. And you know it's going to be difficult. And you know what you do? You run away from it. You run from it. Yeah, I, well, I don't want to go through that right now. Can I, can I tell you something? You keep running from it, it's always going to be there. Eventually, at some point, you're going to have to go through it. I love this verse out of 2 Corinthians. This is Paul, the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Corinth. They've met some challenges in their church. They've hit a, hit a spot where there's been some difficult moments. And I love what he says here. This is why we don't give up. Our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. See, let me, let me just tell you something about the difficulty of the challenge. First thing is, it's not going to last forever. It's not going to last forever. The Bible tells us there that if you're familiar with the old King James, these are small and momentary troubles, right? These light and momentary troubles. They're not going to last forever. And because of that, let me just help you again. Do never, never embrace a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Don't embrace a, a, a permanent solution to a temporary problem. I mean, I just want you to understand that that's why, that's why divorce and suicide are such horrible, horrible decisions most of the time. All right? I mean, I'm just telling you. Just be honest with you. All right? Because it is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. So, we need to realize that it's not going to last forever. And the second, and the third thing, let me just kind of get to that. We need to let God use this to change us. We need to let God use the challenge that we're facing to change us. See, 2 Corinthians 4, Paul says these Problems that we're facing, they're producing within us a glory that far outweighs the problem itself. So what we're dealing with, what we're facing, should be doing something on the inside of us that far outweighs the challenge that we're facing itself. See, God sees in the challenge an opportunity to change us. We need to embrace that. Let him work in our lives to change our hearts. See, if we're going to ask God, God, help me to see what you see. Help me to learn your ways. God, open my eyes, open my heart so that I can perceive the direction that you want me to go. We want to ask that question, not just in life, but in the middle of things that are challenging. Because I believe that when we face challenging moments, 
God wants to do something significant in our hearts. Let's pray. God, today, we just thank you that you're the kind of God that won't leave us alone. You're the God that cares for us and loves us. You're the God that even when we're facing challenges, God, you see opportunity for us. And so today, God, for everyone in the room, help reframe what's going on in their lives right now. So that they can see through the difficulty to the opportunity that you see. So with nobody moving, everybody sit still, heads bowed, eyes closed, let me ask you a question today. When God looks at you, what does he see? Does he see somebody that trusts him completely? He says, God, I don't care what you want to do, I'm yours. Use me, guide me, direct me. Or does he see someone who's trying to do it on their own? Because the only way we're ever going to see what God sees is if we trust Him completely. And maybe today for some of you is a day that you really want to make that shift. You say, hey, that's me. I'm tired of doing this on my own. I'm tired of trying to go. Every time I try to do this on my own, I end up breaking everything. I can't keep doing this. I'm tired of it. I want to do it God's way. And I want to commit to be the person that does it His way. If that's you, raise your hand right now. Awesome. Awesome. Keep your hands up. Awesome. Maybe you're here today. You've been facing some challenges. Put your hands up. Maybe today you've been, you've been facing some challenges. And today you say, hey, you know what? I've just looked at these challenges as liabilities in my life. I have not seen that God wants to use them. And I want to commit. Just say before God today, God, you can take it and use it for whatever you want to do to change me. Raise your hand if that's you. Amen. So God, we just thank you for the opportunity that lies in the challenges that lay in front of us. God, we want to ask you to just come. God, for those who, who said they're tired of doing it their own way, they want to trust you, God, come and save them, change their lives, mold them into your, your people. And God, for your grace and glory, lead us on so that we can continue to follow you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.